This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You oppose government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning, warning. We've got to stop us. They're going to kill us all. See how the trouble you've started? Be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone, or human beings. I'm when the operation of the machine becomes so odious. Makes you so sick at heart. You can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to indicate to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You called down the thunder, well now you've got it. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution Welcome to Crip Ricks, I've Been Thinking. What's this show all about? Well, it's all in the title. He enjoys interviewing people about issues that he finds interesting and which cause him to sit back and think. Cryptocurrency, true crime, natural law, the occult. No topic is off limits here. He has always enjoyed when people give their points of view or thoughts on different topics that they have researched. And what makes it all great is that it's their unique take on what is being discussed. For that reason alone, it makes it interesting to him. So take that walk down to his crypt. Make yourself comfortable. And just maybe, he will be discussing a topic that you have been thinking about. Here's your host, Crypt Rick. Well, welcome everybody. We are here. We are back. Another episode of Crypt Ricks. I've been thinking. I just want to welcome you all. I hope you all had a great weekend. It is definitely uh, getting nicer here where I live in Ontario, Canada. It's been warmer, so I think spring is uh, finally trying. Spring has been beating on the ropes there like in a Rocky movie. Been getting beat up by winter for quite a while, so she's finally starting to make a comeback. It was actually nice and warm yesterday and today. So I'm really excited. I'm ready for spring. I'm so done with winter and the cold. So I'm hoping everybody is, you know, having a, had a great weekend. The weather's getting better for everyone in those areas. So uh, great to see. And I'm excited for spring to get here. I really am. And just to let everyone know, as I say at the beginning of every show, it is listener supported here. Uh, you guys are a big part of this. Everyone who listens to keep freedom alive and is definitely alive here. Lots of great 
hosts with covering on a lot of great topics that would, you know, be taken off a lot of the other platforms. So definitely support it. Lots of great ways to support. We uh, we got Bitcoin if you do cryptocurrency. We got Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash. Uh, there's Patreon, so you can actually do a monthly thing where you can donate whatever you can. Every little bit helps, and it all goes to keeping the station up and running and freedom alive. So whatever you guys can donate is greatly appreciated. So And don't forget to check out the shop, too. Lots of great stuff at the shop, T-shirts, and there's mugs, and all kinds of cool stuff. So make sure you check that out as well. And... Now, I would like to go ahead, and I have a great guest lined up for this evening. I'm super excited to talk to her, uh, and I basically found her work on uh, YouTube. I was doing searches on natural law and stuff, which a lot of you guys know I'm very big on and learning about, and so I've been learning about natural law probably for five years or more. Uh, found first started learning through Mark Passio, who was a big inspiration of mine, and uh, I learned so much from him. And so I was doing the searches and I came across whatever videos her, her name kept coming up in my, in searches when I was doing searches on for natural law and stuff. So checked out one of her interviews and I've been watching her interviews for the last couple of days now. Great topics, uh, great, uh, looks on things and everything. So I thought I have to get her on the show and talk to her and let you guys, uh, hear what she has to say. So I want to welcome my guest, uh, welcome to the show. Oh my God! Sorry, hold on. I just got. A, I almost had a cough here. Oh my God! I'm fighting a cold here, guys. So I do apologize. So welcome, Leslie Powers. How are you? Uh, sorry about that, but welcome to the show. Hi, Rick. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, you're super welcome. I'm and as I'm just letting you know at the beginning, I am fighting a little bit of a head cold here, so I'm fighting sneezes off and all kinds of things yeah. here. So I do apologize, but welcome. Thank you for. And it's pretty short notice. I reached out to you like about. Probably about four or five days ago, because I was watching all your videos, as I said, and I loved the topics you covered and all of that. So thank you so much. Uh, and just let everyone know a little bit about yourself, Leslie, and uh, your background and where you are now and all those good stuff. Yeah, sure. So my name is Leslie Powers. I am a clinical social worker. I live currently in California, was raised in upstate New York, uh, and I've been in the field for 30 years or so now working um, in a whole diverse range of social work areas from school-based counseling, home-based counseling, outpatient psychotherapy, family, home-based family therapy, foster care, adoptions, um, Alzheimer's Center, residential treatment center, group homes, and then um, crisis response. Uh, and but at the last decade, I've been really focused on, on psychotherapy with adults working with people who have suffered from complex trauma and developmental trauma. Um, very recently, actually left uh, my place of employment because of the vaccine mandates and uh, what I felt like the medical tyranny um, was, you know, trying, stealing human rights. And right. the medical system has, you know, gone on board here in California. And so I left um, based on principle. And I'm kind of remaking myself here as a free agent as in the process. I'm also a mother of three. And I've been a lover of truth and freedom since as long as I can remember. <laughs> oh, that's that's amazing. And, and I, I, I was watching your uh, one lecture that you did uh last night that you were talking about the medical industry kind of and stuff like that. And I found that really, 
like I was really wrapped into listening to that because I like I mean what's going on in the last couple of years <laughs> like everybody knows with COVID and stuff like that and all these mandates it's just is crazy what's going on and I mean I I also sit back and wonder like how we got here like what's going on I mean it's just it's just something that I've never thought I would see happen and uh, I think it's amazing that you're pulling away from that and then they lifted the mandates here where I live now who knows for how long. I mean, they could be, they could put them back down anytime. And I mean, I'm well aware of that. But for now, they're kind of lifted where you don't have to have a passport to go into a restaurant or any of that great stuff. So I'm really happy that you got away from that. Yeah, Canada seemed to be even um, worse, more terrible. It was. Yeah, and here in California, it is where I live in the North State, there are, from my point of view, more freedom. Um, conscious people and so it was a little bit easier to function up here Uh, but parts of California especially in the big cities are really um, challenging you know I I love to salsa dance I love to go to the Bay Area that's where the good dancing is and I really can't go there now because of the vaccine passports wow yeah Yeah. I mean it's it's crazy isn't it I I mean I'm really it really is and I, and I, as I said just a second ago, I didn't. Know, I don't know how we. I, well, I kind of know now how we got here because of, of how much I've researched a lot of things in that. But I just never thought I would see this. And right. what scares me the most, Leslie, is how many people are are going along with this so like blindly. Like that's the part that really shocked me. Like it, it really did. I didn't yeah. think that people would fall in line quite so quick. And yeah. it, and they, they they just pump this fear so hard on people at the very beginning. I remember that they're still doing it actually, but yeah. in a different form. But you know now with the war and stuff like that, it's kind of like they're always pumping that fear. But I remember at the first of this whole COVID thing, and I, I thought like people are are going to kind of fight a little bit for freedom and freedom of choice and all of this, and not a lot of people did at first. They all kind of just went with it, and I was really shocked. Yeah, so, yeah, I was. Because I also had been listening to um, Mark Passio's work, and I developed a, a deeper and broader understanding of, you know, what's going on in the world, you know, right. from the broad perspective, the patterns. When COVID hit, I I saw that as just a part of this, like, psychological ops as, exactly. a, <laughs> as a strategy, you know. And so I was cynical about it right from the beginning, and also because I have an avid history interest in holistic health. I understand what creates health. And I've been working in a medical center, um, a medical clinic for a while. And I have pretty, you know, pretty decent understanding of, right. you know, you knew it was up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What I was surprised, though, is even in, you know, communities that would consider their, themselves awake or conscious that they did, they did not see this. Exactly. Uh, what it was. Yeah, and so it was discouraging, um, and not and many people who, uh, you know, coming from good intentions, just perpetuating this false narrative about masks being effective or, you know, social distancing or not questioning the vaccine, not either not know, not paying attention to the fact that this censorship has gone wild, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, or deciding to not look because right. they're under fear. I think many people, they turn to what has been programmed inside of them as safe or secure right. or familiar. But in reality, it's not really safe, like the mainstream media. 
but you know we grow up with that as our place to get our news you know exactly um, no I, I i totally get what you're saying i, I that's 100 percent what i i believe too and 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 then what i like that's why what i found the first interview i found you 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 really you and uh, after looking at your website now you kind of dig into trauma and how it affects people and i've always been fascinated by that because as i was telling you when we were speaking off air like i definitely um in uh for me public school was a very traumatic time not because like uh just because i I went to a catholic school and for me i was always and i I gotta say i had amazing parents because my parents always uh and want to encourage me to question things and to explore things they never like they and so i would always be asking teachers questions or the priest back because it was a catholic school and i would be asking him questions that they couldn't answer Mm -hmm. and i would be getting Mm -hmm. in trouble all the time maybe sending me to the office and, and i didn't understand why because i was just asking questions i was like you know, you're supposed to be teaching me. If I'm asking you a question, you have to, you know, you should answer me or give me an answer, not give me trouble. So, but my parents would defend me on that. They like, they would have to go to the office and then they would defend me and say, and he's only asking mm-hmm. questions. So I found public school very traumatic in that way. And plus I was bullied a little bit. Uh, I wasn't like the most popular kid in public school. That's for sure. So I definitely know about trauma and how it, and I know that that came back to bite me in the butt later in life. Like I saw, so when I was listening to you, your interview, and you were talking about trauma, it was it, it registered really hard with me. I was like, "Wow, she's right." This like people don't realize the trauma uh, in your life, how it does yeah. come back and bite you. So can you kind of let people know what is trauma? And I like the way you kind of, and if you can different, differentiate between little T and big T, like little traumas and big traumas. Sure, sure. So first of all, we have all experienced trauma to some degree. You know, just being birthed into the world has some element of um, trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, we enter into a room of bright lights and loud noises as many children are born, right? And that, but birth doesn't have to be like that. But let's just even start that trauma can happen in utero with the stress of the mother or um, injury to the mother or chemicals that the mother ingests, things like that. So then we come out of the womb and then as an infant, as a child, we're, we're very dependent. We're vulnerable to the connections and the ex- experience around us, the, the quality of the caregiving and the, our parenting. And, and so we're vulnerable to the stress of the parents and what they're going through. And there's so many ways because none of us are perfect and our parents mm-hmm. aren't perfect. And even if they did the best job they could, there's likely to be things that happen where um, we have experienced uh, what we could call trauma. So let's look, talk about that word a little bit more. Okay. Trauma are it traumatic experiences are those where we feel a sense of helplessness that there's a diminished sense of ourself. Uh, it, can, it can lead to a blunting of our range of emotion, an increased sense of vulnerability, right? powerlessness. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's an, a sense of being a loss of control. There could be, you know, the events and circumstances can vary tremendously as to what causes a trauma, trauma response in a person. And but generally it could be something like a betrayal, an abuse of power, pain, you know, being um, put, placed in a in a situation of confusion or loss. If there's a fear of death, 
you know, a loss of freedom. These are all traumatic events. Right. Um, being being held back from being able to even express oneself, like you were describing, getting in trouble for asking questions. Right. Getting in trouble for being yourself, you know, if you don't fit into the box of the school system. And so when I talk about small T and big T, the big T, the big traumas are major events, things like a life-threatening car accident, being beaten, sexual abuse, um, near death, you know, nearly dying, being attacked physically, right? There's, those are large, big traumas. And then there are seri- you know, little traumas that happen that build up often in our lives over time, things like getting bullied, being um, not picked up on time, you know, and think your parents forgot about you. Right. Um, you know, uh, having no friends, feeling isolated, having a tick, you know, that makes you feel self-conscious. You know, there's so many things that, and it's it's really within the subjective experience of an individual. Right. It's true. Because what could be trauma to some one person is not necessarily to another am i right like i mean and or should i say or kind of worded like i guess we all deal with it in different uh it affects everybody differently right so like like a major trauma to somebody could may not be a, a big trauma to someone else kind of thing like so i think it has to do with one's vulnerability and and sort of how they're set up from past experiences okay and the and the impact on their sense of self also how well, they were able to process and desensitize from it as opposed to kind of hold that energy inside and not have it processed within the nervous system. So trauma impacts our nervous system. It's actually a physiological experience. It's not just, you know, like a psychological experience. It's a physiological change in our nervous system, in our stress response. So chronic stress, you know, in this rat race world that we're in is right. can, can accumulate in us in a tr- in a traumatic way in our bodies that makes that makes a lot of sense and and i honestly from what i know that well i totally understand they design it that way to be that way they always I, like that at least the way i see the world they're always pumping fear and keeping us in that trauma state and uh, like i see it clear as day now when i like kind of like when yeah. you see it you see it like i mean you can never unsee yeah. it Exactly. It was a breakthrough for me, too, right? because I I was under kind of a typical viewpoint that like all this suffering in the world is sort of random, that that people do their best, that, you know, no one's really evil. Exactly. You know, people just have big egos or they don't know better, you know, and so there's all this sort of idea of coincident, you know, like happenstance and and you know, no method to the madness. And what I've come to realize and what was a really big turning point for me was recognizing that there are people perpetuating evil intentionally. Exactly, yes. And and that many of the the systems that we have been raised with, you know, to uh, or, you know, really not raised properly with are uh, designed through some conscious social engineering to weaken us right Mm -hmm. to keep us to diminish our human the expression of our human potential to keep us trapped and to take away aspects of our individual expression and creative potential 
Right. I I exactly. I you, you and that's that was a big aha moment for me too is that I I mean I because I was always you're always raised people telling you that people are inherently good uh that the world's a good place there's you know evil's a kind of a religious thing like I'm just going from my I can only speak for myself mm-hmm. because I went to a catholic school and they were like you know there's evil in the world but everybody can be saved and not there's not really evil people in the world and all that that's what they were kind of teaching me and I was and then but I was like no there like then you realize there is evil people running this world and in this world and they're not trying to help anybody they're all in it for themselves they're hell-bent on destruction in my opinion and a lot of people don't want to believe that but it's just like you say it's just the truth and the truth is the truth i'm sorry (laughs) yeah and and government systems are the organizations or the avenues through which these like agendas are perpetrated correct and and they're the, you know, we deal with these politicians that are, you know, many people go into systems with good intentions. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll talk to people and they'll still defend their doctor, defend, you know, the, the candidate that they want to vote for or whatever, and not see the bigger picture of how those individuals are just front people and they have very little power. And that the whole concept of government is immoral it's it's another word for a a slavery system it's it's just and so we cannot give away our rights to other people or systems and that's a foundational issue that a lot of people get stuck on because the idea of government and these systems that we're relying on schools and so forth are so normalized as all that we have and, and it, they're seen as uh, necessary for our security. Mm-hmm. And so so those of us who are studying, you know, natural law and understanding this concept start to see through this and realize, whoa, the systems that we've been raised, we've been, you know, growing up trusting to keep us safe and provide for us are actually stealing our freedom and preventing people from helping people and and be, becoming the best people that we can be right and and that's what i've always i've always said that too and i i get into a lot of discussions with people i know and i try to tell them that like i always tell them like you have to like because they're always i i talk to a lot of people and they're like we're gonna we can just if we vote for somebody else it'll change the whole thing like you know we just gotta get this person in office or this person and then it's gonna all magically come together and it's going to be better and i'm like and i'm and i don't i for me i don't see how people can see that because it hasn't worked in the past and i don't think it's ever going to work in the future it's designed not to work and to me i've always told people like this is a such a form of slavery and i believe that with organized religion i get in trouble for saying that to some people but i it's just is and these are just and and the same with government (laughs) and the school system oh that's huge yeah and the way that our money system is being set up as well, they're all meant to hold us back and tie our hands from our own freedom. So right. these institutions are not increasing our freedom, and they're not—they're not encouraging us to thrive as human beings in the world uh, at, with our utmost, you know, energy and attention and potential and creativity and individuality. In fact, you know, how many kids go through school and and come out feeling terrible about themselves? And mm-hmm. not good enough. Right. What are these systems that create the not good enough? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I and yeah, public, like as I was saying, public school was a rough one for me. Uh, for like, like I said, a little bit of bullying. It wasn't uh, people get it a lot worse than I did. That's for sure. But for me, it was very traumatic just because I was always in trouble for asking questions. So, I mean, and that did stick with me. I did realize that. And we'll get into it later on about shadow work. I think that's really important, which mm-hmm. I've been doing now for a while. But I want to ask you, so because we're talking about trauma and, and that, what um, what do you what is it? What do you need to heal from trauma? Like, what are the ways to go about breaking like like healing from this trauma? Like we have to confront it. I know that. And then how do we go about healing it? Because I think that before we can go forward, we have to identify the trauma and deal with it. Yeah, I'll say um, just as a uh, to lead from what you just said about asking questions. I think that one of the answers is asking questions, you know, and when when we're in an environment where we're being told that we cannot ask a question, that we cannot um, consider another answer, you know, like the censorship we're experiencing, uh, it is a, it's a warning sign. So, so the first step is to, to notice is to become conscious of what's happening to identify that, you know, you, that you are um, in a state of oppression. Right. And, right. and so how do we know that? Well, we need to trust ourselves. We need to be able to trust our own, like, symptomology, so to speak. You know, if we're sad, if we're, we're um, in pain and we're, you know, we watch. So the, the answers are really coming to self-knowledge. And, exactly. Yep. You know, and, and then looking at the patterns and being willing to question what you uh, have always thought was true. Right. And, and, and that start to think at all sometimes. Right. That, and that's that's what I, I am glad I always was something that I, I maybe it doesn't come as easy for other people or I'm just lucky. I mean, because I've always questioned things. So, I mean, I'm always questioning and I'm willing to ever if I'm ever wrong about something, I have no problem saying I am. It's like, OK, I was wrong about that. And I found, you know, I found truth in a in a better uh, way. So I'm I'm very I'm not I'm very pliable that way in, in a good way that I'm not so rigid in my beliefs that I'm not willing to listen to anything. And um, I think that and that's what I had to start doing was noticing the traumas that were in my life and mm-hmm. how they affected me. And then I also noted I was starting to notice that I see and this happens with like people I know and stuff like that. I noticed that they are like you'll see them in a toxic relationship or in a situation like they're they hate their job and they're always mad when they're going to their job and i think a lot of people yeah. can relate to that and i and so yeah. what is why is it important to, to get yourself away from that like i mean i i if i can't well, for the love of me think about yeah. going to a job you hate <laughs> yeah so first of all let's just start with the it like being willing to say this isn't cool like this is not okay that i'm miserable going to work every day that this right. isn't okay that I am running around like a chicken with my head cut off and I don't have time to breathe, you know, or to think, you know, it's starting and then educating yourself about, you know, how, what are the things that do oppress us? And, and when you feel oppressed, listen, listen to that. And so, so because some of the ways that control systems operate are through isolation, 
through um, promoting conformity and sameness among people, the indoctrination through repetition, physical trauma, exhaustion, disrupted sleep, right? Mm -hmm. so this is, and then mental, emotional trauma. So when we start to notice these things happening in our lives, we can start to say, wait a minute, I need to do something. So you can then start to look at the patterns that are playing out in your life, starting to ask yourself your beliefs about them and start to question. Right. So to get out of, say, abusive relationships, which I would say is part of, you know, what we're talking about. Right. It takes some like a deprogramming because we've all been programmed along the way in our life. And but we don't know it. It's like the fish is in the fish tank and doesn't know they're in a tank. You know, right. I love that theory that, mm -hmm. that you talked about that in the interview. If you want to go out and talk about that a little bit, Leslie, please do. I love that. That was so powerful that you when you talked about that in the interview. So the idea of that is that when we're born into, you know, the world, we don't have a reference point for what's healthy, for what's right. right. We are we are we are vulnerable beings at the mercy of the the forces around us and our caregivers, our parents, and then the school system and the media and, you know, whoever's coming into our lives is pro where there's a programming going on with 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 belief systems that come with that and worldviews. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're accurate and sometimes they're not. And sometimes they're fear based. And so we but we don't have that vantage point until we start to question and use critical thinking. You know, and if we're punished for that, then that itself, you know, is discouraged and is hard to do. So a lot of people are just on automatic pilot and assuming that this is life is just the way this is just the way it is. Right. And we can't do anything about it. And so what, what I'm saying is, no, it doesn't have to be like this. And there are things that, you know, there's something we can do about it and that we have to do something about it because it starts with self-love. It's self, like self-respect. Right. You know, 100%. And, the, and the care of people around us, you know. So so if we're going to talk about how, how do we reprogram, so we getting away from the traumatic relationship, so to speak, you know, if you hate your job, and you're day after day being kind of in this kind of critical oppressive environment or something, it's really time to start thinking about another ch a change, getting out of there. So getting away from, from that which is keeping you in constant stress, anxiety, and um, hypervigilance or, you know, fear. And then start to question the authority of really all authority right you know and ask questions about why are you giving your power away who is you know what is this that is 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 become internalized in your own mind even you know as you're an internalized oppression you become your we we do it to ourselves for know, sure and and we look for the contradictions the things that don't add up what we could call dissonance and we all have some aspect of cognitive dissonance. You know, we say our family's first, but we spend all our time working. Right. You know, things that don't add up. So we want to start to look at that and do that inventory of ourselves 
and start to then open up to new information that 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 you can start to be open to even if it challenges your ideology you know your worldviews your biases what you've been told in church or you know by your your teacher or your mother there's mm-hmm. there's a process of critical thinking and being open to new ideas and then self-expression starting to find your own voice um, Which is hard to do, I find. Like, for me, that was hard to do because I didn't know how to go about doing it. Yeah, I mean, if that makes sense. Like, I was like, I know there's something wrong. <laughs> I could, like, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people should trust, like, how they feel more. I know that, you know, with modern society, they kind of make feelings a bad thing. Like, from what I noticed, like, they don't want you feeling. And if you do feel certain ways, then you shouldn't, like, they kind of want you to put that down. And I've even heard people say that you should never experience like anger or anything like that try to always be in a good mood be positive and i'm like Mm -hmm. i i just can't i never bought that because i'm like we have these emotions for a reason we have anger for a reason yeah we we, that is all of our feelings are are important to our experience as being human and they are energy and they're giving us messages they're giving us really vital information about ourselves and about what's uh, going on in our lives and our feelings will often be the first thing that tells us something's wrong. Now, feelings can also be very, they're also can be very irrational. And so they're not, you know, just listening to only feelings isn't going to get you probably to where you want to go. Right. It can be very chaotic. However, feeling feelings is important. And part of what, what happens with trauma is feelings become so unbearable or so uncomfortable that we we bury them, they become locked in our nervous system. They, it becomes impossible to function if we feel those feelings. So we compartmentalize, and our our, ner- our brains, you know, has a natural process of compartmentalizing. Our nervous system will, you know, shift things around so that we can get up and go to school. We can go to work. We can you know, be a parent, whatever it is that we need to do. Um, and then that pain gets buried. And, and it, but it, even if it's buried, it doesn't mean it's really gone. It will come exactly. out. It will come out in our bodies. It'll come out in health conditions. It could come out in overreactive, you know, re- overreactivity. Right. Uh, right. And, and, so and, do you, and like a lot of people, I think that that's what they do, right? They, they have a trauma and they bury it. And I can, and I can speak for myself that I know I, I did that. I kind of like out of sight, out of mind, I just kind of buried it. And then how it, how it kind of um, started manifesting with me was I became kind of uh, like, I remember when I, when I got out of uh, public school, I went completely the other way away from Catholic way. Like, I mean, I was like, I'm, when I got out of that, I was like, I'm, I'm done with this. Like, I do not want any part of this. And I kind of, went the other way because I didn't really deal with it. Like I just kind of was angry and I just pushed it down and I went kind of the other way for a while and stuff like that. So I understand like people do push things down. And as you're saying, if you keep bearing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, it's, it's coming out eventually one way or another, it's going to express itself in yeah. in a way. And it's going to be definitely negative when you, if you're not dealing with it. Yes. And then it becomes scary in a way because it feels out of control. Right. Sometimes. So the, the goal is to become more of a master of your own energy system, a master of your own emotional 
um, emotional self. It doesn't mean don't have feelings. Right. But and there's if, a perspective. Go ahead. Well, I was going to just make a reference to what we might call the balanced brain or the wise mind, which Perfect. is this um, on one side is a polarity of just emotionality, right? And on the, the opposite side is complete like Spock-like intellectual rationalism. Mm -hmm. And neither one of those extremes is balanced or going to give you, you know, accurate uh, assessment of a situation. There's a place where those circles overlap and that, that spot in the middle is what we call the wise mind. And that is where we can find a balance, a window of tolerance for our emotions and a place, you know, in our intuition, our right brain, you know, faculties and our left brain analytics, which is right. very important when we're trying to do truth discovery and understand what's happening, that we we working we're working from a holistic brain with our frontal lobes online and our um, emotional and intellect kind of working together. So another thing that happens with trauma is that and any stress, the stress response itself is that it shuts down the frontal the, the frontal lobes, you know, the neocortex, which is our human brain. It's where we get to do this higher level thinking um, where our left and right hemispheres, you know, in this neocortex operate. This is unique to human beings and what makes us different. And actually, I think, gives us a much greater responsibility for what we do. Exactly. For sure. Mm -hmm. And those shut down when we're under stress, they diminish a lot. So we're not thinking clearly. And then the limbic system, the animal mammalian brain is activated with emotion. And if it's overwhelming, it will set off an alarm, which would be the function of the amygdala that then talks to the brainstem. And that's a reptilian brain that operates very primally in a very physiological way to, to pump the adrenaline and the cortisol and to bring the, the blood to our fists and our feet and away from our belly and they and we're ready to fight we're ready to run mm -hmm. and and so because that's how you know the base primal way of surviving is right but and that, and that's the thing is that the with the the way the world is now at least I can see it clearly they've geared everything to keep us in that reptilian yeah. brain they want us in a flighter fight or flight mode and that's what I try to tell people is that as long as you're living in this state of fear and buying into all of this fear and not trying to confront it and understand it and then work through it, uh, you're not thinking clearly, as you just clearly stated, like you explained it perfect. If you're in this reptilian brain, you're not thinking clearly. That's where they that's where the I call them um, dark psychologist or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. them that rule this world. Sure. That's what I call them. I think yeah. we're dealing with master psychologists that know yeah. us so well that they, yeah. we have no idea. And they want us in that state. So we're not thinking clearly. They want us in and, that constant state. Yes. And add to that, they want us ignorant to how our psychology works. So if you think sure. about mental health, it's a, it's stigmatized for many people to even just going to a counselor is like a no-no because they're not crazy you know it's for crazy people or you're so weak. there's this yeah or a weakness yep. so there's this huge stigma around studying your own psychology and getting help which really feeds this whole um this whole dynamic in the world 
where people are not aware. They're not self-aware. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and that makes you man, easy to manipulate, honestly, because we're easily manipulated if we're, if we're through our emotions, if we're not in the balanced brain. And if we're not actively taking charge of our nervous system and our emotional state. So there are a lot of tools and things that we can, we can activate when we see that we're um, being pushed into a fear state. Right, right. That rather and I, than swimming in the fear, you know, the, the pool of fear and watching the media and letting, you know, it just build and build bigger and bigger, you know, it's almost like getting away. So if we want to talk about getting away from the trauma, we need to get away from the mainstream media. For we sure. probably need to take <laughs> our kids out of mainstream schools, you know, um, as much that you can extricate yourself from these systems that are perpetuating lies and keeping us in cages, you know, metaphorically or in reality, the better. Because then we have the ability to think. Exactly. Yeah. That that and that's what they don't want. They do not want people thinking clearly. They because then that like I mean the more and I think and it's great that people are I am seeing pe- a lot more people waking up to be honest. Um I do see it. I mean it's not I mean I hear some people say that everybody's waking up and it's a big it's really and but i don't see it quite that big i mean i do see it in pockets and people are starting to wake up and it's a great thing because i think every mind that is woke and starts especially but i i like to explain it's what like even if you could kind of explain because i try to tell people you may be awake and know what's going on but you have to get out there and start speaking it too like i mean that's our most powerful uh weapon in this whole thing and it's it's our get it's our you know, given yeah. to us, it's our voice. And I don't think people realize yeah. that, how powerful our voice yeah. is. And if we start waking people up, yes, you could, anybody listening could be awake. You could know exactly what's going on in the world. But if you're not speaking it and you're not mm-hmm. trying to wake people up, then it, to me, it's a mm-hmm. waste. Like you have to get out there in whatever way you can yeah. to make it, to start helping add to the course, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I love that. I think I, I agree with you. I I do, you know, I think that some of the things that come up for people is that they've been ingrained with this sense that they, they're powerless, that they can't make a difference. Yep. And, and that's part of the reason. And that's a self-esteem problem. And that's part of the indoctrination is I'm too small. I can't do anything about it. And then the, but we don't, we, we underestimate that our voice uh, resonates you know, and like, it's amazing to me that you, that my name came up on the internet. Like, I'm shocked, right? I, I, it and, did. It, and it did right? for a whole, a couple of days. It was really weird. Uh-huh. And, and I, and I, and then that's the thing. Anybody that knows me, I search natural law all the time. I'm always trying to find teachers on, on YouTube and online and your name never came up. And then for a couple of days, it was constant. It was like, yes. what is going on? So I had to click on your interviews and I was like, wow. And I, I just don't believe that's a coincidence. I'm sorry. I don't. Yes. So so I just want to say that, like, you know, I I was sharing with you before we got online this idea that everyone has an important voice, like a unique experience as a human in this world. And each of us has a gift and and a creative expression and that it's meant, I think, just by virtue of being born, it's meant to be shared. And that is the alchemy of life is how we are kind of in relationship 
to nature and to each other in this, you know, give and take, the reciprocity of mm -hmm. life. And so when I, we're often socialized to stay small and to be quiet. For sure, yes. And, and like you in school, they didn't want you asking questions. We need to deprogram that. And we need to start to trust and and embrace our ourselves and our own unique gifts and start to share and talk and be spontaneous and then learn as we learn, then share what we learn into the world and with others. And that's part of, I think, how our whole humanity will evolve in a positive way, in the real way of evolution of consciousness. It's through this sharing um, right. of, of our creative gifts in the world. So what steals our steals from us, you know, in terms of our self-esteem and our, that blunts our emotion, that blunts our sense of self and confidence, that's not, that's not good, right? We need to surround ourselves with people and places that, that, that support and build that so that we can take, be courageous and step out. I'll share just a little bit about the, um, I was just a part of a conference called the Funnel Conference, Freedom Under Natural Law. Yes, I want to speak about that too, yes. And part of where that developed from was very organic, grassroots. There were just, you know, several of us that followed work of Mark Passio and uh, on what on earth is happening. And we, we became... You know, passionate about the concepts and feeling that there's some way that I want to contribute something positive in the world. You know, I want to, you know, I'm ready to branch out of just one-on-one -on -one to impact more people in, a, in about these underlying root issues, not just treat symptoms, but I want to help at the root cause of things. Right. And right. so I, I'm online. There's a natu natural law page. You know, somebody, Chris Jansen, put out a little uh, invitation. Is anybody in Northern California interested in, you know, coming together and just support each other and, you know, this, um, our work, you know, in, in, in spreading the word or just, you know, about what's going on in the world? And this was in two, 2020 with COVID and everything going on. And so we, I just took that invitation. I responded to the invitation and I want to just say, emphasize on a side note, that's really important that when right. we, when something shows up, grab it. we respond <laughs> to it, we grab it, we listen, we, you yep. know, like you did with interviewing me. Yep. And, and so I, 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 I decided to follow that, even though it's a little uncomfortable for me, I'm not super into support, you know, into groups with people I don't know and all that. It was a little uncomfortable. But it became like a wonderful network of, of support for, for me, for all of us involved. And not only support, but activated and inspired action. And right. we uh, were inspired by the SEED conference, S-E-E-D, that some other folks um, put on. And we were like, how about we do a conference? And we're like, well, I guess, you know, and, like, <laughs> let's, and then we're like, well, let's think about how we could do it. And we just started that process and uh, we each did a presentation and we got it together and we did this funnel conference and it was like, uh, it was so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I was checking out the, some of the, the uh, 
uh, lectures. I, I call them lectures. I mean, a lot of people call them different things, but I call them lectures. It's just, it just comes to my head. And I was watching some of them last night. Uh, amazing. I was, I watched yours and I watched a couple others and there's a couple others I'm going to be watching tonight. So I'm so glad you did that. And it's amazing. Um, there is, it, like, it's a really cool that, yeah, and you had, to, I liked the way you said grab it. Like, you have to see the opportunity and not be scared and just grab it. Like, I mean, that's the best way I can put it. Not be scared to, to do it and, you know, see what happens. And, um, then the great thing that I liked about what you were describing too is that we, you know, everybody's got their unique way that they can bring natural law and all of this to people. It does like, you know, it could be art. It could be poetry. It could be music. It doesn't yeah. have to be like doing interviews or doing lectures. There's so many different ways that yeah. you can get that information out there. So, cause yeah. I know some people are like, I am not going on a radio show. I'm not doing videos. Like I just know people that that's not their thing, but they're amazing artists. So yeah, art is the answer. One of the, I think answers yep. for inspiration yep. because we're, we're creating um, roads for people to be impacted, right? Yes. To under to to, and a lot of time, art is a way that speaks to people. Right, and music. And I think music, that binds binds so many people together. I always say that I, I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of music, and I'm like, music yeah. is something that relates to a lot of people, almost everybody in a way or some way or another. So, what a great yeah. way if you could start even doing it through your music. I mean, yeah. For it's sure, just, and I would consider that under art. And you know, even in the the there's the trivium and the quadrivium, and music is one of the liberal arts that is uh, important. And mu music is there with arithmetic and geometry, and you know, some other things. But as far as really tr getting to truth discovery, right, right. I, I I totally agree. I'm I'm big. Like I'm definitely a big on art, and I'm I've always been big on art and stuff like that. So it's very something. I'm always I'm always doing that, doing art, and uh, I've written written poetry my whole life and stuff like that. So I'm very in tune with that now kind of doing yeah. interviews in that i just started that about eight months ago so yeah. it's kind of new but i did have yeah. to jump in and do it i mean i i was petrified and i'm being honest i'm always a little nervous anytime i do an interview or anything like that it's something that i think people don't realize it's you know mm -hmm. it's scary when you when you just kind of dive in but at least i'm i'm here and i'm doing it right so yeah. I mean, yeah, you have to take great. that plunge yeah you have to take yeah. the plunge and that is an art in itself Right, for sure. I, I agree. Like, it's definitely an art. Uh, I agree. So, great stuff. I mean, I'm so excited to, that we're I'm just checking our – we got little bullet points here that I wrote down. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm touching on all of them because I think that it's such a uh, – I don't want to miss anything because I think this is so important of a conversation to have. Um, so, I'm just checking how much time. Just, Go right I'm ahead. Something that I think will add to this whole idea of trauma and, and relationships. And one of the points that I emphasize is to um, look at the different levels. Uh, well, to look at your relationships from different levels. So let's go to our immediate circle of the people in our our, our personal life, our inner okay. circle, and to to do a little assessment of the the quality of the inter interactions and to look for. Things like reciprocity, give and take, respect, um, listening, you know, care, and to watch out for people that would be narcissistic. You know, we want to watch out. We want to start to be aware 
of the narcissists of the world and the psychopaths of the world. And it's very easy to kind of think that they don't really exist or they're not a big deal. But I think that that by minimizing that, it's part of the reason we're in the big problem we are in the world. It's because of trusting people too much. And people who are usually good, you know, have good intentions and think are moral people and are empathic, we tend to underestimate the danger of people who are not like us. We don't really right. think that they exist. We and we kind of attract them, them, do we not? Like we kind of attract them, do we not? Because people yeah. that are givers and that you attract these opposite the personalities to you, the takers, yeah. because they know you're, yeah. they look at you as easy prey in a way. Yes. And I, and I do think that is important. You know, it's not a pleasant thing to hear, but we need to be careful that we don't judge others based on our, our view of ourselves. you know, how we would do things. I mean, I can think my own, in my own life where I would just be so frustrated with the way, you know, a partner didn't respond to me because I, I'm like, well, if I, if he said that to me, I would change something, you know, but he doesn't <laughs> seem to care, you know? And it's that idea of, you know, that, that when you're dealing with a person who does not show empathy, that is operating from a sense of self-centeredness, of self-importance, like their own ego being fed. And they, you, you end up in a relationship where maybe you're feeling really confused mm-hmm. and frustrated repeatedly and unheard and that your needs aren't being met. And, you know, you talk to that narcissist and they basically blame it on you. It's something wrong with you. And because, you know, most good That's people so don't right. look at themselves, you know, there must be something I did. I better work on myself. But that person's not doing their work. You know, that is a very uh, toxic dynamic. And it's so if you Michael Tessarian has a really good article on psychic vampires. And I quoted this, some of his work in my um, Live and Thriving Right. Um, and and so he talks about it is and it's pretty harsh and it goes against the grain of like a lot of people who want to forgive all the time because he's basically saying like you can't negotiate really. You, you know, you need to separate from yeah. stop trying to change them. You know? I, I, I totally agree. And I, I was using that term years ago, Leslie, a psychic vampire. Because I remember uh, from I had a friend that was, if I was around him, he was such a. T- it's so weird to explain. I hope I explain it right, but and without sounding totally crazy, but I always I, I know when somebody around me is like that because they drain all my energy, yeah. and it's really weird. I noticed that with all, a lot of the. I have a lot of great friends. I'm very fortunate to have a circle of a few great friends, and I feel very energetic around them. It's like it's like like a, a circle of energy going around. It's very positive. And then I have a few friends that I had to get, I had to break away from them because I just, I couldn't be around them because as soon as I was around them, and I'm sure everybody knows somebody like this or has known somebody like this, you get around them and they just drain you. Like you're with them for an hour and you feel like you have to go lay down. You got no energy. And that is, I used to call them psychic vampires. I'm like, they just drain your spirit and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an example of where it is important to pay attention to your feeling state. 
and to then ask questions and look at patterns. Because when your energy is being drained continually, something's out of balance. And exactly. then we need to learn how to build protection for ourselves. There's an internal process of, you know, I call it creating my internal protector, right? Mm -hmm. So that I am not putting myself in, I'm not making myself vulnerable to the, that, those people over and over and over. Right. And if we right. keep doing that and we keep giving and we keep giving and we keep trying to change and it's not working, you know, and we're getting drained and burnt out, there's something wrong here. We need to start looking at our own boundaries and our own self-respect and how we, yeah. you know, stand, take a stand for that, for ourselves. And it's not selfish. It, and that exactly. also happens when it comes to systems we're dealing with, too. So you yep. can see see how that it happens in, you know, kind of. Uh, in a, in a big sense, right? They're always yeah. taking like it, that. Yeah. It's that's a great way to end. Like, yeah, we're almost at the end of the first hour. I told you it flies, um, yeah. and I'm having a great conversation. Thank you so much for being here, Leslie. I'm having such a great conversation. I'm so glad I met you. Um, awesome. I'm, I've Thank learned you. so much. I've learned so much just in the uh, the work I've listened to that you've done, your interviews and your your website. So I'm looking forward to the second hour. I want to dive into definitely natural law and what it is i mean because as i was telling you a lot of people when i bring up natural law right away they think of darwin and survival mm -hmm. of the fittest and all of that so we are yeah. what time is it here yeah so we are going to be hearing the break music any second so okay. just to let everyone know that we are here with leslie powers we are discussing uh trauma uh, how it affects people we're going to be talking about natural law and all kinds of great things so definitely guys stick around for the second hour uh, that'll be great. So, guys, we'll be right back in five minutes. Don't go away. Radio, freedomslips.com, number one listener-supported radio, the printing press for freedom at a time when freedom is needed the most. I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. 
I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control the courts. Don't be a loser. And if you don't appear, you will be held in contempt. I will defend myself against their tyranny. Number three is my radio broadcast. I'm squarely in front of the public all the time, and they all know what's going on. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolith and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on for expanding its sphere of influence. Hello, my name is John Wayne. And I do a broadcast here at freedomslips.com, revolution.radio, called The Unequivocal Truth, DEFCON 1. Freedom and are at war. And folks, I assure you, we are in Defense Condition 1, Mission 1, as we journey perilously through this paradigm that we currently reside in. And I ask that you join me every Saturday, 8 to 10 p.m., Eastern Standard Time for the Unequivocal Truth, DEFCON 1. The original machine had a base plate of prefamulated amulite surmounted by a malleable logarithmic casing in such a way that the two swerving bearings were in a direct line with a panometric fan. The lineup consisted simply of six hydrocoptic marzal veins, so fitted to the ambifacient lunar wane shaft that side fumbling was effectively prevented. The main winding was of the normal lotus o deltoid type placed in panendermic semi-voloid slots of the stator, every seventh conductor being connected by a non-reversible tremie pipe to the differential girdle spring on the up end of the grand meters. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio, taking the confusion out of transmutated lunar girdle springs for four years and running. Revolution Radio, the number one listener-supported alternative media radio on the planet. All right, thanks for listening while we took that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now, we're going to get back to your host. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you guys all had a good break. Got up, do a little stretching like I did and whatnot, and just uh, let you know you're back here, Crypt Ricks. I've been thinking this isn't the this is the second hour, I should say, and we are here with an amazing guest, Leslie Powers, and we are discussing a lot of great topics, touching on a lot of great things. Uh, you know, trauma, uh, the different kinds of trauma, how it affects us uh, when we don't deal with it, and you know, ways to deal with it. So. Great topics here. I just want to welcome back, Leslie. Uh, how are you doing? Did you have a good break? I did. I'm all refreshed. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no problem. I, I enjoyed the little five-minute break. I really do because I get up and I stretch and that because I'm just like, oh, my back is my disease. My back just kills me. So I love that little 
that just makes all the difference in the world. So just want to welcome everyone back. And before we went to break, Leslie, I said that uh, we were kind of talking about trauma and stuff like that. And I was hoping for the second hour that we could start diving into human rights and what real natural law is. As I was saying at the before the break, when I try to bring up natural law to friends or family, um, immediately they go into survival, 90, 99% of the time they start going into survival of the fittest, uh, the law of the jungle and all of this. They really have no idea what real natural law is and they definitely don't have a, a good grasp on what our natural human rights are that are given to us by the creator. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted if you yeah. could touch on natural law, what it is and uh, human rights and stuff like that to get this second hour started. Yes, yeah, sure. So I see it as that natural law informs us of our human rights and our freedoms. There's a dynamic between this natural law and our free will expression. And it's in that cooperative dynamic that so much is, is, is possible, right? And that there's the possibility to live in peace and harmony. So what natural law, let's break that down. Natural is inherent. It has a basis in nature. Mm -hmm. It has a basis in truth and reality. It's not made or, ca or caused. It's not created by humankind. So it's, it's acknowledging that there is a force bigger than us, that we are not the gods of the earth, that right. there is you know, we could call this God's law. We could call it cosmic law, spiritual law. Karma. <laughs> it, karma would be an aspect, I would say, is an aspect of the cause and effect principle. True. You know, which is is a, a major part of natural law and the one that, like, Mark Passio focuses a lot on. And so it is nature. It's natural. It's not man-made. And law means that it's exists it's an existing condition it's binding and immutable it's it's not something that can be changed so we want to distinguish natural law from man's law now let's let's what people can relate to more because they were taught about it in school right right are things like the, the law of gravity entropy you know there's different physics laws of physics and we 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 can see that and kind of like yeah you drop an apple it falls right so so there's also something that can be witnessed through these more, uh, these less concrete, um, this less concrete natural law. And that's where the idea of karma comes. You, there are, we have actions and there are consequences. We may not see the consequences immediately and those consequences may in fact affect other people more than us, but there are, is always a consequence to every action. Mm -hmm. So exactly. It's, yeah. And, that, and that's it, the that's the one thing I've like I and that Mark Mark Passio does break it down perfect. Like I love the way he teaches because I it it just he breaks it down so good. And and same with you. Like I mean, you do a great job of breaking these things down and I think that it really helps with people trying to understand it because as I was uh, when we were talking before, I said I was always kind of living by natural law like I just it was something I just practiced, but I didn't have a word for it. I didn't know it was called natural law. I just, yeah. I don't know, maybe I thought it was just living the right way. I don't know maybe what I worded it. I didn't probably have a word for it. 
But I mean, a lot of people I don't under, think understand natural law. Like, I mean, I know the people that I ask, like, as I was saying at the beginning, they really don't know what it is. They jump right to yeah. survival, like the, the fittest, the jungle. Yeah. And I'm like, that is not what I'm talking about at so all. That, that's the animal <laughs> nature of instinct, right. right? And survival. Right. And, that, you know, that's the, the reptile part of the brain in operation. We, what natural law is is drawing us to use is our 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 human brain you know this ability that we have above animals to see patterns and to take personal responsibility for our actions knowing that there's going to be a consequence to our to the next step we we take and so if we recognize that there are wrongdoings okay so there because when there when someone commits a wrongdoing there's a consequence there's a consequence often to ourselves and there's a consequence to other people mm-hmm. and so this is part of how we that natural law demonst- is demonstrated so the transgressions against you know your natural law rights would be things like murder assault mm-hmm. rape theft trespass coercion and willful lying. Mm-hmm. I think most people would agree that those are wrongdoings. Yep. And 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 where do those come from? Does that, you know, so a lot of people say well they come from our constitution. Well, no, the, <laughs> even if you read the constitution, there it references these are natural <laughs> rights. Yep. Okay. And so they don't rights are actions that do not cause other beings harm. Exactly. And human rights are inherent within natural law. They're like the railings that keep us, you know, that we we can operate in when in living rightly. But there's a lot of room for creative expression and individuality and diversity within that that mm-hmm. range. You know, and if we stay in that, you know, stay on that 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 path, you know, and know where those railings are, we can learn to live in harmony with each other. So people will be afraid that, oh, my God, if we don't have man-made laws, there's going to be, you know, chaos. And I hear that a lot. What really creates the chaos Mm. is the lack of true moral understanding, the lack Mm. of, of understanding natural law, that that's not really taught. Right. And and I hear that a lot, too, when I start talking about natural law to some people that they'll be like, we need and they will die on this hill, too. A lot of them like we need government. If we don't have government, we don't have police. Uh, we don't have the military. The whole world's going to go into into chaos and everybody's going to turn on, on each other. And they really believe that. And I'm like, no, that's not the way. Like, I mean, if we're all living under natural law, that's not how it would shape right. <laughs> kind of thing. So it's really, and, yeah. I mean, in fact, it's a lot clearer and simpler to operate from from natural law than it is from man-made law, which sure. are <laughs> contradictory, changing, dogmatic, nonsensical, like there's, yep. you know, and so it would be like anybody who's really trying to follow all the zillions of man-made laws, they're going to go crazy, you know, just trying to, to keep up with them. And and so really that just creates the obfuscation and the confusion and the, you know, the compartmentalization and all this stuff that just keeps us uh, like in that traumatic state, right? right? Where we don't know what, what's what, you know, right. let's bring it down to simplicity. Don't hurt people. Yeah, don't, don't steal from 
Don't um, steal. That's that's what I noticed that for all the things that you just said, it's basically they're all forms of theft. So yeah. if you follow those, um, and I think a lot what the problem with karmic law, like a lot of problem is, is that, and I love, I've heard other people describe it like this. Karma is not like a one-on-one uh, ratio. So like if you do something bad, uh, you know, it comes back to you like the same amount and it doesn't always happen instantly. Like, I mean, I think that people's whole perspective would yeah. change drastically like if you did a wrong and all of a sudden like a, a hammer hit you in the head or something like that like right when you did the wrong like right when you yeah. did a wrong somebody whacks you upside the head with a hammer how many whacks of the hammer in your head would it take before you realize that you're doing something wrong and not to do it but because karma doesn't necessarily work that way or definitely not that quick that's mm-hmm. why i think people have a lot yeah. of trouble seeing the effects of their actions yeah. they don't see it immediately and they yeah. definitely don't see it as it's something that happens to everybody. We're all connected. I, I truly believe that energetic wise. Yeah. I know we are. We're all yeah. connected. Never mind. I believe I know we are. And yeah. we're dealing with something that is not an individual basis. Like it is on a certain level, but we're dealing that with everybody. This is an aggregate, like a big picture thing that we're talking mm-hmm. about with natural law. And yeah. that's why we're getting the results that we're getting now because we don't have enough people living in natural law for sure. Yeah. And I say that the, the karmic law, the you know cause and effect, does occur on both individual and on Agreed. kind of collective levels. So mm-hmm. you know if we're as an individual and we walk into traffic, we're probably going to get hit by a car, right? right? Yep. If if I um, spend more money than I have, I'm going to be in the hole. You know, I'm not going to have yep. money to to pay for the next thing. So in a very concrete way, people can understand it, but they don't, most, many people don't even have mastery over those things, right? Because of all the emotional and social pressures and things that get in the way. So then we're looking at something where we realize that our behavior has effects on other people. And the more, so, and that the more people that, that behave in a way it be it has so let's say that this would be the law of freedom what you were which you were alluding to okay it's it's that it's that the more people that understand and live by natural law the more freedom there is for everyone exactly the more people that are working against the principles of natural law that that is creating it's taking freedom from everyone mm-hmm. so right now you know i have a pretty decent understanding of natural law i'm living not a hundred percent they've still got some things to clear out but, me too <laughs> but i'm living you know a, a good moral life you know and i'm disconnecting as much as i can from immoral systems and toxic people and so forth but I am still limited. My freedom is being threatened by the millions of people who are going along with and supporting the slavery system. Right. So, so it's it, what we do affects everyone. So we need more people to stand up, you know, and say no. Right. Wrong doings. And, and, and that's, 
Yeah. Right, right, and and I 100% agree, and that's why, and I, I've been noticing, especially over the last, I've noticed it for many years, but I've noticed, like, especially with COVID and over the last couple of years, how our human rights are being stripped away more and more in my, and quicker and quicker, and I think it's because a lot of people, they really don't even know, like, if, if they don't know what a human right is or where your rights come from by the creator, how are you going to defend it? That's what I always say to people. Like, you have to know what a human right is to begin with, what a right is to begin with, before yeah. you even – like, I mean, if you don't know these things and you're losing them, it doesn't mean anything to you because you don't even know what they are, right? So how do you defend something if you don't know what it is? And I don't see a lot of people like, – well, I'm starting to see more. Let me, I don't want to be totally doom and gloom. I do see a lot of people standing up with the convoys and that, and they are standing up to – for what's going on and yeah. starting to make their voice heard, but you have to know what a right is to defend it before, yeah. you know, how do you, you can't defend it, you know, if you don't know what it is. Yeah. And people get comfortable in their, the smaller, like their little world. Right. And it, it's getting smaller and smaller. Like you can very visually with this whole um, pandemic, how people's worlds have been shrinking. Oh, for know? sure. <laughs> and so then they're filling it with, mindless distractions and pleasure seeking and sometimes addictions and you know um and so they're straying away in uh, an emotional and behavioral response like a reaction to to this um oppression without really seeing it as oppression as as um a violation of their rights because there's a storyline going on that they're believing mm-hmm and so what we what this comes down to is taking responsibility and it, and this it's a hard path when we talk about it's not an easy path because it involves a tremendous amount of self-ownership and personal responsibility so we have to recognize that this is the gift and the challenge that we have possession and control of the use of our own body our own mind and we're responsible we're responsible for our thoughts for how we respond and react to our thoughts, to how we uh, take in information, to what we ignore. We're responsible for the actions we take or don't don't take. Right, 100%. Yeah, and that's a big responsibility because there is a culture here that is about looking outside of ourselves for protection and for answers. We've um, made doctors and PhDs kind of little demigods, you know. Yeah. Politicians. That we have to go to politicians, church, media people, <laughs> even even entertainers, you know, yeah. in Hollywood. Be, you know, and so people are would rather take the easy path a lot of the time and just look about what they should think and do. And and we're saying, no, we need to think for ourselves. We need to learn how to think. We need to take responsibility and know that if we're going along with an evil system, we are part of the evil. We're yes. allowing it. We're complicit with it. And that's why we need to take action and do something to speak out against it or to say no. A lot of our action may be on the level of detachment. It doesn't have to be, you know, we're not calling for any type of violence at all. In fact, the opposite. Opposite. The non-aggression principle is a key aspect of natural law. Mm-hmm. What we really, you know, need to give other people is freedom from, from violence. 
we yeah. do not initiate harm. Every wrong behavior is a is a form of theft, as you said. Yeah. So if we can honor other people, their space, their bodies, their rights, and then we can live a, a great life. And then and then what happens here? What so let's say there are people who have been learned wrongly that they they are maybe in this category of a psych having psychopathy or narcissism. And so they're operating from a lack of empathy. They don't really care about other people. They care about the money in their their bank their account, job, the, yep. the power, their status. And so they're going to do what they do. And, you know, they're they're likely to intrude on our peaceful little harmonious yeah. society. Right. And even, so even if they know they're in the wrong, they're still going to do it. Even like yeah. they I think deep down they know they're in the wrong. And but they're still going to do it, and they ju they justify it with all these excuses like I I need the money, how am I going to pay for this, how am I going to pay for that, and it, but it doesn't excuse that you're still doing a wrong. Like I mean, it doesn't. I mean, I understand that you know people have bills and that, and that's that's the world we live in. But you still can't use that as an excuse. And and the reason I brought that up, Leslie, I didn't mean to cut you off at all, but it's just I was watching the riot, the the protest in. Um, the convoy and stuff in Ottawa and I was watching a lot of videos and I remember this one video that stuck with me so deeply it really did that a lady was just walking down the street and she was filming and she was on the sidewalk she wasn't like a protester or nothing she was just walking and filming and these police officers walked by her and this one cop stopped and this order follower that's what I'm going to call him because that's what he was and uh this cult member because he started getting in her face because she was filming and he lifted his visor and you could see his eyes and I, I I'll never forget his eyes like he was so indoctrinated like and so cold like it was like the look of a shark and I thought to myself when I was watching this video if he was given the order by anybody above him to beat mm -hmm. this person from an inch of their life he would have done it I guarantee it he had nothing there it was just blind yeah. following and I was like this is the problem with these order followers and that they 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 don't see or they do see and they just don't care, which I think a lot of it is. And they justify it, like I said, by needing a paycheck and stuff like that. And it just mm -hmm. it really scared me when I saw that that yeah, look. <laughs> I, I think of it as having some degree of soul death, you know, a disconnect yes. their own soul and a loss of themselves and their own um, like value right. and, and not not recognizing that their own, um, you know, their own rights. So they're like willingly abdicating their their rights to think and act yeah. independently by by allowing themselves to just follow orders, even if it's causing harm to people who are doing no harm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that brings up, you know, our right if someone is aggressing like against us, is violent against us, stealing from us, coercing us. We have a right to self-defense by, exactly. by nature, by natural law. And that is, you know, at the very simplest level, it's to say no. It could be non-participation. And at the higher end, it's whatever force is necessary to start stop the harm. Right. Using, you know, discernment, right, and not just – and that's where I think having um, – Emotional intelligence, you know, uh, the ability to understand and be attuned to your own emotions, to understand how the expression of emotion in others, to be aware of your the tools and, and to regulate yourself and mm -hmm. to think 
clearly so that we can make good decisions in situations. Right. Um, that's really important. And this is the self part of the self work, you know, and the, the shadow work is another part. Right. That's what I was. That's what I was telling you about, too. When we were speaking that I started doing shadow work on myself probably about six or seven months ago. And my what I and I, I think there's probably a lot of different forms of shadow work. Uh, some people might do it by meditating and, and, and other ways like that. But if I was telling you, for me, I confront myself in a mirror. And I, I know it sounds weird to some people. I have no doubt. But I the shadow work to me is so important. And I do. I sit in a room for an hour every day by myself in a quiet room, no distractions. And I sit and stare in a mirror and I confront myself and I ask yeah. myself questions. And I and it's hard at first. It was very awkward at first. The, the silence was deafening as the saying goes it was very hard not to fidget and it's really hard to still yourself doing it and i do it every day now even for an hour and i confront myself and the lies that i tell myself because i know people everybody tells themselves lies uh Mm -hmm. every day and they don't want to confront it and i think that shadow work is so important i think it's it's key to understanding yourself and where your troubles lie and what you need to fix what you need to work on so I don't think, and I realize, like I was saying to you, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is this shadow work. It's yeah. not fun. It's hard, yeah. and it's scary. Yeah, yeah. It's, it I really I is. love the, the the addition of the mirror, you know, because yep. we, especially you know, the women a lot, especially, but probably most people, when they look at this themselves in the mirror, they find faults. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you say, you know, I mean, try it naked, see how positive you are, you know, like, yep. <laughs> right? You know, what are you going to notice things that you find uh, that you're going to be self-critical about, you know, the wrinkle, the, you know, the gray hair, the, you know, whatever it is, I'm a little chubby, you know, whatever, you know, so there's that, that adds a whole nother dynamic, right? Looking at yourself. Yeah. physically and working at coming to a place of self-acceptance that way is really powerful but then there's also the piece where you're looking deep in your eyes and you're maybe even with your eyes closed going inward yes in, in a state of neutral witnessing and yeah. and if and developing the witness to ourselves right of what's showing up inside us and is one of the reasons people, it's terrifying because, you know, one of it the was reasons they're <laughs> so busy, yeah, is because they don't want to sit with themselves and their thoughts. And then they stay busy, busy, busy all day. Then they lay in bed and all the things they've avoided come rushing into their minds. And mm-hmm. then they're not sleeping well. And they call their doctor for a, for a sleep medication or they, um, you know, toss and turn and find it you know, very excruciating and it snowballs. So the, the answer isn't to get on a sleep medication and dull your, your mind. It's, it's to look at those thoughts and, and what's showing up Mm -hmm. and mindful meditation is a good way to do that, to sit and slow your breath and become aware of your body, embody just, period is good because a lot of us also are not really in our bodies we're in our heads all the time yep. so calm down with into your body breathing deeply noticing but 
doing a scan, let's say, of your body, noticing where there's tension, and then doing an internal scan. Right, and, right. And feeling everything, you know, sensorily. And you can't and, lie to yourself either. That's yeah. the that's the thing I can tell people is that is the part that is the hardest is because you try to even when I was con when I'm confronting myself, my brain is funny. It'll still try to to lie a little bit, like it, it, like oh that's not a big deal, or you're blowing this out of proportion, or like, and you have to be really. I ha I should say me. I for, I can only speak for myself. That I have to be very aware of what I'm, my thoughts and that and my feelings because I'm it like you do lie. I found that I do. You tell yourself these little lies just to I think to avoid things or to just push them down, right? So I mean, it's yeah. a very eye-opening experience when you start doing this shadow work. And that's what I call it, shadow work. I mean, like I said, other people can call it meditation or, I mean, there's lots of different ways. I'm not saying my way is the only way. I just think for me yeah. it works because I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I can't, if I'm looking at myself, I can't lie to myself. And that mm -hmm. has been a big difference because I used to meditate and I would sit in a quiet room and then I, it worked, but it, I could still, it wasn't the same as looking at myself in the mirror and confronting myself. And I, and I know a lot of people, when I tell them I do that, they kind of look at me funny. And I've even had people tell me, like, I could never do that. Like, I never do I want to sit in a mirror and confront myself. It scares a lot of people that I've talked yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. And it's really, that's sad to hear that because it's it's also a possibility to be, to be very rich in its um, joy. Right. You know, and and when you, so the first step is really, like, Stop lying to yourself, right? Yep. Start looking at yourself really honestly and take, you know, in, in the 12 step program, they talk about doing a fearless inventory and it's a similar That's idea. Good. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking at your whole life, you know, and how you've acted and what you've done and, and what's happened to you and how you've coped. And we all have ways that we run away, you know, and things that we're not proud of. And there's often deep shame that mm -hmm. that may be a result of trauma, you know, that isn't inherently justified. But but there is, yes, looking as a witness to, to yourself inside and the thoughts, the feelings, the fears, the anxieties, the panic and breathing with it, yes. breathing with it, staying with it, observing it, allowing emotion to be there, not judging emotion or thoughts yeah yeah and and i i think that's so it's such a powerful thing once you get used to it i mean it, it takes time it, I, by all means yeah. as i was saying at the beginning it was very uncomfortable this the, it was it was very hard to sit for even an hour and i mean i and then yeah. people I always tell people like they're like oh i could do that and i'm always like try it sometime like honestly mm -hmm. give it a try no sound no tv in the background no music just you in mm -hmm. a room staring at yourself and just do yeah. it for an hour it's hard it's not really fun. hard to even stay, stay focused that long. Yes. And with people, you know, with all of us on our phones all the time, like just for people to put away their phone and not have it nearby or do a scroll or check a text like that has to go away. Yep. This is just sitting yep. and being with yourself. So that's a really important practice. And then um, I also want to say that there so there's two things, points I want to make. One is kind okay, of perfect. A, 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 so the other way of maybe doing some shadow work is to ask yourself, what do, what am I avoiding? What do I avoid facing? What parts of my life do I not like to think about? 
what, where's, where do my, where am I missing memories? Um, what, you know, there's, I think we all have something from like adolescence, right. That like really right. hurt us that, that for a law part of our life, we just really bypass that we don't want to look at. And those are the things, the things that you don't want to look at are the things you got to look at. Mm-hmm. Those are the calls for healing. And, and through healing all those wounds, you know, and those those exiles, right, those parts of ourselves that are just so hard to face and we exile them and we develop all these other coping mechanisms to manage our lives or to, you know, suppress our feelings, you know, and um, that that we just start to be there and we start to see the patterns of ourself. Now, I just want to caution that for people who have experienced severe trauma, um, severe developmental trauma, childhood abuses, this process could be extremely triggering and it could spiral a person into like a decompensation. Of, right, that's know, good to bring it. That's a good point to bring so, out. So as a therapist, you know, working with people who've come into my office wanting to face stuff and just sitting down and talking about their lives have like gone, started to go off the deep end. You know, I've come to really respect that, that this isn't always something that you do by yourself, that sometimes the monster is really big and you're needing some infrastructure built, you know, you need some more scaffolding to be able to uh, have the tools to be able to tolerate what, what shows up for you. Okay. And that's where working with, you know, a trained person, a compassionate, you know, aware person as a, as a support and witness, as a therapist, that's where that can come in as an important thing. So to know what to do if you start to dissociate or you start to go into a panic attack, you know? Yeah, that, that's great advice. And I'm glad you brought that up because we were kind of touching on that earlier that if you do need to go that route, um, it's not a sign that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you're you're crazy or anything like that. All the stereotypes that they like to put on people if you do mm-hmm. go seek help, because I, I mean, I've heard people say that, like, I, uh, you know, I, I'll say to them, like, maybe you should get some go talk to somebody. And like I would never do that. I mean, I'm not weak. You know, I can trudge through mm-hmm. it. And I'm, I'm like, that's not the way to go about it. Like, <laughs> I mean, you're it's not weak to need help. And mm-hmm. to get a kind of a structure on yeah. how to go about it, because I mean that that's very true what you say. There's probably some things that people are bearing in their life. Well, I know there is, and it's very, you know, if you just go muddling around in there without any guidance, you could, like you said, run into some problems that you're yeah. not ready to deal with. Yeah, it could be very triggering. So I For just sure. put that caution out there. You know, the the work is internal, and it's something we have to do our, on our own. That doesn't mean that you don't, you can't join, uh, you can't join in with a witness or a compassionate counselor, right. you know, who who is there to just as a guide and as a you know to to be a witness to your process and to give feedback. You know, there's a lot to be gained from feedback from someone who's seeing it from a little more distant because you know when we're in 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 it we're in our emotionality in our problem we lose perspective 
And if we're isolated in that, we just try to do it all by ourselves without talking to anyone else. You know, we don't know if our stories are really valid. We, we're, you know, if you can really move faster along in your healing if you uh, do share and with a witness of some sort. Right, right. I, I think there's also healing to the connection. We are born wired for connection. We are not meant to live in isolation. Healing comes, a lot of the deepest healing is, is from healing relationships. Yes. Yes. And that, that's so true. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm just listening to you and I'm like, she's so right because I, I have a great friend that we talk all the time, pretty much every day. And we've helped each other so much, um, just by talking. And, you know, if you have a friend that you're really close to or even a family member that you're very comfortable with or anybody actually that you can open up with. And that's such a, I think a lot of people don't have that. And I, maybe I'm just lucky that I do. But me and my friend, we help each other so much just by talking about everything and talking about our feelings and what we're dealing with and all of that kind of stuff. And you're really, yeah. it's what you say, like we're not meant to be isolated, especially what they've been trying to do to people over the last two years, keeping yeah. people away from each other. To me, that's all by design. They, they don't want us yeah. interacting. They don't want us communicating. They're censoring us when we're trying to get our message out there. It's, mm -hmm. it's, they're definitely fighting back and they're always trying to fight back at us when we're trying to get this positive message out. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. Like we're up against a monster yeah. to me and, and a lot, mm -hmm. it's, it's really, and I was telling you what I find early, like I really like to try to point people to people like yourself and Mark Passio. And there's a few others that I've been listening to a lot. And I, I mean, I don't, what I don't like is a lot of the excuses I get from people that they mm -hmm. don't even want to start looking uh, yeah. at natural law and stuff. And I, and I was telling you a funny thing that uh, yesterday when we were talking that, uh, Mark Passio has a lecture that's like eight hours long on natural law. It's a long one. Eight hours is a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, I've watched it like three times just because I know that you miss stuff the first couple of times you listen to it or watch it. Mm -hmm. And I'll try to get a friend or a family member to watch this. And they were like, I don't have time to watch that. That's eight hours. Are you crazy? And I'll always turn around and then after I'll let go and then I'll bring up like a series on Netflix or something that I know is like, you know, 20 episodes long, if not longer. And I'll say, have you watched this? And they'll always go, yeah, yeah, I saw the whole thing. And I'm like, how do you have time to watch a series that's like mm -hmm. five seasons long, 20 episodes each season, but mm -hmm. you won't take eight hours <laughs> to watch mm -hmm, something exactly. that may change your life? So I don't know how yeah. we do. I don't know how we reach people like that. I, I try. And I guess the best I can do, Leslie, is plant seeds. I mean. Yeah. And asking those questions. There's, there's a, a great process of um you know asking questions that make people think like yeah i have time for watching you know <laughs> this latest reality show series but i'm saying i don't have time to learn about a life-changing you know philosophy yep. or something right yep um, and i get it a lot i do i really do it's surprising yeah. how much they do people say that yeah. to me and i'm like just break it up in hour chunks yeah. or or whatever and they still won't yeah. do it and i don't i don't yeah, we all we all make excuses and that's part of the shadow work, you know, yep. is even starting at that level. Like what kind of excuses do I make for myself as to right. why I don't do X, Y, Z? Right. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And so I, like, I guess that's the best advice, though, is you can just keep planting the seeds and asking questions. And hopefully somewhere down the road, you know, down the road, it'll take root. And what, you never know when it will. And 
something good sprouts out of it. I mean, that's why I keep I keep talking to people about it. I'm not going to stop. Um, and okay. hopefully they'll start looking into it. And I never, you never know what you say is going to take off on somebody's exactly. thoughts. So I think and that's I, great. I find that very true in my work, you know, doing counseling with people, especially young people. When I work with teens, for example, I have thought to myself, like, I can't really tell if I make, you know, sometimes I can't tell if I'm make, making a big difference, mm-hmm. you know, with some of the kids, people that I've had contact with, with many of them that stay with me through time, I see big differences. But there are shorter contacts, especially with younger people, and um, I don't always know. And I say, you know, the way I get through that is I have to find some acceptance with not knowing Right. And, um, you know, hope that I've planted seeds and that that this is will make an impact that someday in their life will come back to. And what I have found is that there have been people who have come back to me years later and and shared that I made a big impact on their life. So there has been validation. But but I I think we can't worry about that so much, like how many people are watching Right. You know, today, like that, maybe not today, but maybe, maybe over the course of the next five years, maybe. Who knows? Right. You know, they, we don't know how that's going to ripple out there, but it, but it, it likely will as long as we keep doing the work and we keep showing up and we take the action, and let's say you know we create something and then if we don't put it out there, you know, it's just sitting on our computer. Then it's not going to make a much impact. Exactly. We, we got to yeah. we got to take the risk to be vulnerable and put it out there. And I'll tell you, you know, I had moments where I have had like anxiety waves take me over at the idea of talking publicly about this this stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, it's brought up memories. And I'll sit there. I was like, oh, wait a minute, I'm having this anxiety. Okay, and I'll sit. And I'll look in and I'll say, what's coming up for me? What is this anxiety? And I'll remember little things might pop into my head about really embarrassing experiences of my life, Um, you know, and feeling humiliated. And I'll be like, oh, okay, that the residue of that is still with me. And it's it's creating a a story and a fear that I'm going to get humiliated. Right. I'm going to freeze. And I like and not remember something and be foolish or appear, you know, silly. Like there's things that's just natural to have those those things happen. And that's yep. part of the shadow, too, is like looking at those things and then working with yours, not stopping and just saying, oh, no, I'm too afraid. But but how do you take that next step mm-hmm. to to um, take to do it anyway? Right. And that that's one thing that I noticed doing my shadow work, too, and, I, and is that all these fears I had, I made them so much bigger in my head over all these years than they really were. Like, I mean, it's really it's I guess you have to go through it to understand totally what I'm saying. But I can assure you that at least in my case, like I, I can only speak for yeah. myself. I think it's that common. The, yeah, like a lot of the fears I had when I started, I, and I, another thing I did was I wrote down my fears. I write my book, my fears, mm-hmm. and then I try to work out where they came from and kind of like what you were just saying. And then I kind of make a list. And then as I was looking at my fears where and where they came from, they start to look, you start looking at them. And, you, and then I came to like an aha moment where I was like, how did I ever give these fears so much power over my life? Yeah. And they were controlling my life. One of my fears that I, I've dealt with 
was so powerful that it led me to drinking for seven years. Like I, like I mean, I, I haven't drank in a lot, many, many, many years, but I was an alcoholic years ago, and there was something I wasn't. It was a, from something I wasn't dealing with, and yeah. I started dealing with it, and I found I didn't have to drink anymore, which was. It's amazing, but it made this fear so big, like it was just this yeah. monster in my head. And I think yeah. once you start doing the shadow work, you realize it's yeah. a lot smaller than you think it is. Do you yeah. find that, that you've noticed that oh, too? Most definitely. We create monsters out of, you know, like mountains yep. out of molecules, <laughs> monsters out of, you know, an ant. That's, you know, it's it's that Plato's cave analogy in a way, you know. That, yep. The, the the figures on the wall look so big and we can be uh paralyzed by that mm-hmm. and 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 by recognizing that you know our our thoughts are really powerful in creating those feelings and that those if those feelings are so paralyzing then we don't take action right it's, it's a pattern of thought feeling action and so by looking at the thoughts that are triggering the emotion and choosing to change our thoughts, Mm -hmm. we can take power back and then choose actions, right? And so when someone has a, let's say a phobia, one of the, you know, the approaches would be to progressively, you know, progressive desensitization or to face, to step into the fear, Mm -hmm. you know, because that spider that we're deathly phobic about is, you know, really not going to hurt us, but in our mind it is. Oh, so for sure. So we gather the knowledge and we start to expose ourselves to it and step closer and closer, we realize that it's just a little spider. You know, yeah. it's not going to hurt anyone. That, that's a great way to put it. That's what my, that's what these things that I, in a lot of my shadow work that I realized, I was like, wow, I've really, Given, I've made these into these things that they are not like they, and I think it's just over time they just keep you keep playing them over in your head, and they just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and then that's why I think shadow work is so important, is to yeah. confront it. Yes, confront it, and I just don't have this thought. There's there's a lot of opposite dynamics going on, so here we are, people. Well, so what we have in the world now is actually something really. Um, okay. Very true. Serious and evil that the, that people are under, um, they're minimizing it. So there's the minimizing is the opposite of that. Very as, true. As a defense mechanism. And so when we minimize something that's really serious, then we have a problem too. So we also have to be willing to face the truth that's in front of us, that sometimes there is a life-threatening, freedom-threatening bear, monster, you know, coming, you know, intruding upon us. Mm -hmm. And we need to see it, see that for what it is and activate our courage and our our willpower to protect ourselves and to to take action to defend ourselves. To stand up and confront it. We have to. Because as I keep telling people, we're losing freedoms so quickly that I mean, I, it's it's really uh, scary when you start looking at how quick it's we're losing them and how people are like uh, not really getting angry. I find a lot of I don't see it. I see a lot of people just going along to get along and they're doing what everybody else is doing. They're doing what the the government say and the medical people, and 
I mean, I just don't see a lot of people standing up and getting angry. And I get so angry. I've been angry for two years, <laughs> like yeah. angry, angry. And I'm like, I can't believe like where we are and nobody's that angry yet. Like people should be so yeah. angry yeah. with what's going on and what yeah. they're doing to humanity. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And I think anger is one of those really misunderstood and, and demonized emotions. Yep. And people kind of think it's not okay to be angry and anger's bad, but it, but it's not. Anger is activating. Anger is empowering. Anger is telling us, you know, oftentimes that our rights are being violated and that there's a wrongdoing happening. Mm -hmm. And so we can funnel, we can we can direct our anger into proper action. Anger doesn't mean that there has to be the violence going on that violates others rights, Mm -hmm. but it can be if you're aware of yourself and you master your ability to uh, respond, right? Yes. Then you can use that anger to create um, meaningful things to help bring good things to the world. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I mean, that, and that's the great thing. Uh, like I, and looking at your website now, which I'm going to get you to talk about near the end here so people can check it out. Um, but bringing this all around, once we, people do the shadow work and they get through that and they start and they're doing that every day and they're starting to, you know, they educate themselves. I, it's about natural law and the evil that's going on in the world. Then you can start to thrive and, really find your true north i call it or your center in in your life and what you're you know what you're meant to do so i wanted to ask you because we only got about 10 minutes left so i wanted to bring this around full circle the best i can i hope i did a good job um, oh, you did a great job thank you um what does it mean uh uh to be to thrive and i'll kind of add, add two of these together because it's kind of like the same vein of uh questioning uh what does it mean to thrive and what is true freedom yeah <laughs> Big questions. Big question so, for the end. <laughs> yeah. So I see thriving as our human potential being activated. And that potential comes from freedom so that we can operate. Like if we think of our our body, mind, spirit as kind of a technology in itself, that it's like working really well. You know, our senses are sharp and our thoughts are clear, you know, and our frontal lobes are online and we are in tune with our with our the drive to create and that we are in a balance, that balanced brain. Right? So that we are really the authors of our own lives and working in harmony with others. And that thriving is something that we do in relationship, too. It's something that we do with nature itself, that we are in harmony with uh, uh, that, you know, with our with nature, with other people and within ourselves. that we have alignment within ourselves, within mm-hmm. our thoughts feelings and actions and we're creative and growing um and from that place you know there's a real unlimited potential for happiness and for for productivity for joy for interconnectedness um and it's you know it's this little vision that i i I can feel in, in the back of my you know heart around this potential we have as human beings if we can only get out of our way 
you know. We are, yeah, I think we stand in our way so bad. And uh, I, I find when I started learning and, and got into doing the great work and learning about natural law and finding, and it, I found it very empowering too. Um, let's see, when I started to learn what was going on wrong in the world, because I think that that gives you a great perspective. I don't think a lot of people really take the time to kind of work through what yeah. is going like why how do we get here like that's what i've always asked myself yeah. over the years is how did and i keep asking myself that even though i know the answer how do we get here like we got here by not listening like not knowing our not our rights and not knowing our god our you know creators i can call it god creators rights whatever you want to call it um that we are born with and i think mm -hmm. that once you learn these things and and tap into them and find your true power and your voice i call it my voice that it's very powerful and then you can start to thrive i mean it's amazing yeah. when you start speaking the truth it kind of yeah. like things gravitate towards you at least i'm finding that in my life yeah. that now the more truth yeah. i'm speaking the more people in that that vibration i guess is a good way that you put it that yeah. vibration are yeah. coming together yes i yes and i would say what when you ask what is freedom that this goes alongside this idea of thriving. It's the power of self-determination, mm -hmm. the state of having free will. You know, it's it's being having internal monarchy, right? So we are in we're in full mastery of ourselves, in harmony with what's outside of us. The condition of being free, right? To be able to think, act, speak without externally imposed restraints. So there's an external, you know, we could, in correct use of the word, external anarchy. There's no masters, there's no, no uh, kings, but we are governed by internal law, natural law that guides yes. us. And from that place, then we have this amazing, like, canvas to paint on. Right. Right, that's, right. that's a beautiful image. It it is beautiful. It really is. And I that and I I I want to thank you so much for for coming and speaking with us uh, today. I I mean I've learned so much in just a short time that I I met you. I'm so grateful I met you. Um, and I'm learning. I've learned so much already. I I'm just and I really am enjoying the journey that I'm on. And and I, and as I was saying, the more that I'm starting to speak my truth and, and the truth, I should say, and it, I'm finding more people being drawn towards me that are in that same path. And it's really an incredible yeah. thing. So um, I just want to let, can you let anyone, I just want people to know, let everybody know about where they can find you, your website, yeah. what it's all about and stuff like that. I want to give you the floor yeah. for the next two or three minutes, just to let everybody know where to find you, all that good stuff. Yeah, well, I'm a work in progress, and uh, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> I would say in some of the earlier stages of um, developing my work in this uh, domain. But I do have a website called AliveThrive.life. Okay. And um, I have my most recent um, presentation, The Corruption of Care, When Good Intentions Go Bad. That is on... Um, there now, along with a PowerPoint of a of my kind of what I call like the feature presentation, Alive and Thriving, which um, I'm going to be getting out the videos on that. I've been saying that for a while, but I really am now. <laughs> and uh, and I have a, I have other things like in the fire, like that I'm developing. Actually, 
one of them is called truth versus perception when my truth isn't the truth and uh, we are also preparing for a funnel two conference in the fall and i've got an idea brewing on for that as well so there'll be more um showing up uh on that website with links probably two videos on odyssey as i get them out there uh, and there's some things to read there now and i also you know i'm i'm in this transition of um more and more trying to get out of the government uh, controlled work and developing uh, a, I, I probably will call it more of a life coaching um, platform. I'll be developing another website uh, where I'll be offering services to do life coaching. And also I really love super, like doing supervision or what I would rather call mentorship for other coaches. So I could be available for, you know, doing some um, consultation around mental health and trauma. Uh, I would be available to do uh, mentorship for people who are doing coaching work and maybe have clients that they're in a stuck space and they're not sure how to get them unstuck. Like I have a really good knack for kind of seeing things and um, offering direction that can help folks. Um, I do clinical supervision as well, and I, I really love that. So I'm looking at how I could do that as well for coaches and uh, then individual work. Perfect. Uh, Perfect. So, and uh, and you're also just so people know the funnel one I and I'm going off the top of my head here. I just it is at uh, freedom. Uh, hold on under, a second. Freedom at freedom under natural dot com. Am I correct? Yeah. Yes, freedomundernaturallaw.com. And right. you can see uh, the presentations that we did uh, the weekend of February 12th and 13th. Amazing and stuff on there. Amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm watching them now. As like, I, like, I was, like I was telling you earlier, I've been watching them, and I watched yours on there. Definitely check that out, guys. It's amazing. Uh, goes right into the healthcare system. Like Leslie breaks into that and uh, talks about, like why she got out of it and everything. It's just so powerful that that presentation that you do. And so I want to yeah. thank you. And uh, that that's two hours. Leslie, we uh, told you it flies by. I wish I had you here for another hour to talk. <laughs> You're always welcome here. You're always welcome to thank come you. back if you want to talk. Um, definitely check her out, guys. I want to thank you, Leslie Powers, for joining us tonight. And uh, don't forget, guys, that right after this, it is... The Fenton Perspective. So thank you uh, thank you so much, Leslie, for joining us this evening. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Chris. Take care. Thanks for I agree. Thank you so much.
join Revolution Radio every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Studio B for Momentary Zen with host Zen Garcia at freedomslips.com, the people station. This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You oppose government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio.